Hey there, this is Dr. Tim Stafford, and this is The Digital Instructor, Episode 7. Today we're going to be talking about social constructivism and how it can become the backdrop for you to understand how to become a better digital instructor. Now, there are a lot of theories that we can talk about, and, you know, we teach courses at the university on digital instruction and uh, digital um, instructional design theories and models, and there's just lots of things that are going on. I mean, many of you are uh, associated and familiar with various different kinds of theories, so uh, constructivism, um, your, your maybe social learning theory, uh, you're probably familiar with Addy which is a very old instructional design model. Uh, some people think that it's dead. I don't think it's dead. I think we just kind of keep reinventing it and calling something else. Um, but uh, there's also uh, iterative design and, and uh, rapid design and universal design, and there's just so many different theories that are out there, and all of them have merit. I mean, all of them teach us a lot about how to design good instruction, and they teach us a lot about how to, how to do our job well. But I think what happens sometimes is that innovation comes when two things come together in a way that maybe you hadn't thought of before. A really good example is uh, it comes from a book um, by Franz Johansson called The Medici Effect, M-E-D-I-C-I, M-E-D-I-C-I, yes, The Medici Effect. Uh, if you haven't read that book, I would highly recommend it. Um, it is an inspirational book. I probably read it once a year. Uh, I, I sit, I take it for a weekend usually. Uh, I'm a beach, kind of a beach bum, so I like going to the beach. I'll take it to the beach, and I'll sit on the beach, and I'll read it in a day. It's not a hard book to read, especially uh, if you are a reader anyway. Um, I think you'll find it a great book. And uh, one of the, the concepts that Johansson talks about is that there's innovation when things get combined, that there's this premise, there's this principle of, of innovation that comes when you combine things together and, and you look at the quality of the new thing. And when you can do that with two seemingly disproportionately unconnectable things, <laughs> that's the best way I can come up with, best way I can say it, then it really becomes innovative. You know, you have a high sense of innovation. So like for instance, if a chef mirrors two culinary, two cuisines that nobody would have ever thought to do this. Um, nobody would have ever thought to make peanut butter and jelly out of, out of um, hummus. You know, uh, you know, when they start to do that kind of stuff, then what happens is there's this explosion of an innovative idea. And I think when we're talking about digital education and digital instruction, we can't really do so and talk in only the terms that we've always been accustomed to talking about. I think we're going to have to innovate some of these terms. And one of these, I think, comes from this term that's not new. It's not a theory that's new. It's been well written on. In fact, I have a great book I could recommend called Online Professional Development Through Virtual Learning Communities. It's written by uh, Sonia Hollins-Alexander. And I hope to have um, uh, Sonia on the program in the, in the weeks to come, talk more about this, talk really more about this idea of uh, virtual learning communities and, and, and online professional development. But in her book, she talks about this theory called social constructivism, which 
is not new. We've heard it before. Many of you maybe have done used it as part of your theoretical framework for a dissertation. Um, it's it's a fairly um, popular uh, theory that's out there right now, but I think it really hits the bullseye when we're talking about digital instruction because um, social constructivism emphasizes uh, the importance of culture and context in understanding what occurs in society and then constructing knowledge based on that understanding. So when you are starting to look at social constructivism in an e-learning world, in a digital instruction world, you have to begin to look at digital instruction on the culture that it resides in. If I try to import the face-to-face -face culture completely into the digital culture, I find hiccups with that. Doesn't mean that we don't meet face-to-face, -face, doesn't mean that we don't do all these things, but the problem is, is that I can't, I can't transplant a culture easily, especially in a digital space. And so social constructivism emphasizes the importance of culture and context in, in understanding what's happening in the society that you're in. And in the, the society that you're in is a digital space. But it's dealing with, as we've talked about many times before, it's dealing with real people. Real people in a digital space. And so what we have is we have a, a stacking of, an interlocking of, a collision, you might say, a collision of cultures. And in that collision of cultures, there, there needs to be some innovation that happens. And so when you have an instructional model that's based on the social constructivist perspective, then you're going to need to stress things like collaboration um, among the learners, but also collaboration among um, the learners and the, and the practitioners as well, the instructors as well. You're going to have to really look at all of these things um, from a collaborative point of view. One of the biggest parts of the social constructivist kind of movement is that there's power in, in constructing things together. You know, um, George Siemens and Stephen Downs from, uh, from uh, Canada, the, uh, the academic world in Canada, they, they, I think, I think he might be at the University of Manitoba, but I don't remember, um, it, it changed. So I don't remember, know exactly where George Siemens is right now, but Dr. Siemens came up with this thing called connectivism and you might want to read about it. It's a really great learning theory that really applies well to um, the digital space and digital this this idea of connectivism is that a person is like a hub there's there's like a if each person is kind of like a hub then the connector between one hub and another hub has two folds number one you are a learner but number two you can also be an expert so although uh, you and I could be talking and I could be considered an expert in digital learning and digital instruction uh, or instructional design for online learning, and you're taking and you are connecting to me. Our hubs are connected together, and I'm teaching you something about that. I could turn around just as easily and become your student in botany, because you are just a botanist extraordinaire. And so the idea here is that in connectivism, that the idea is that we're all connecting together and we're all getting something. We're getting something and giving something all the time.
we're constantly in this state of I, I am a I'm a I'm an expert and I'm a learner all the time, which helps us to understand the efficacy of lifelong learning is that I recognize what I'm good at, but I also recognize what um, others are good at. And and putting teams together is important. And in the world, that's exactly what we do. I have a, and in addition to working at the university, I also have my own firm. And my firm, uh, I do a lot of instructional design kind of work. And I put together teams all the time. I can't do everything. So I may not be able to do graphic design, but I put a graphic designer on my team, and now we now we're doing graphic design. I may not I may not be able to code, but I put a coder on my team, and then all of a sudden, we can do coding. The collaborative work with us together is very important, and so the constructivist, the social constructivist model emphasizes that collaboration, and it makes us think about the fact that if we're not collaborating, then we're really not. We're not tapping into the power of what online learning can do and what digital spaces can do. I think of Google. I remember being in a, when I was at a firm for quite some time, I remember uh, writing reports. We did a lot of legal work. And so, so we were writing reports that would be, end up um, going into court. They would be, it'd be part of litigation. And these experts were writing these reports and we would actually have one document Maybe it was in Word, and it was being passed around by the experts to add to, edit, whatever. Well, you never knew what, what version you were on. You had no idea. Because it turns out that one person has a version that isn't quite right, and it wasn't the last updated version. And being the person that ended, that where that all ended up at the end, sometimes I was going through 20 or 30 versions just to make sure that we had the most common, the most up-to-date information to send to the court. But then we got Google, where everybody could collaborate in a digital space on one document, and that changed my life forever. I would never go back, ever, to a non-collaborative environment. Because now I could have all the experts on one document, they could be making changes, they could be doing things, we could be, we could be highlighting all of that, and then at the end I get to go into the only document that exists and do it all. That, that, but that kind of collaborative spirit made us much more powerful as experts, because nobody was worried about what version they were on. They were worried about making sure the details were right. And we were never afraid to send something away because we knew that we had the right thing. That's the idea. And so social constructivism really stresses this idea of collaboration. And it, because it's based on some specific assumptions about reality and knowledge and learning. Social constructivism really kind of is based on the idea that reality is constructed through human activity. So if you take this as an idea, right, it, that ubiquitous learning or learning on your own is an activity. Engaging in learning activities online is, a, is an activity. Engaging in discussion posts is an activity. Everything is, is active. And the more active that we can be uh, in a con social constructivist framework, that's really a better test of reality. Uh, Kukla in two, 2000 said that members of a society um, together invent the properties of the world. You see, so the world being whatever we're studying, we can have them invent the properties or, or, or highlight the properties uh, or innovate the properties of something because they're working together. Because human activity is what's important. And so when we try to get outside of this idea 
that they're just digital people doing a bunch of stuff. We're just keeping them busy. That's not what we should be doing. We should be getting them active and innovative in the way that they're coming up with ideas. Maybe it's, maybe it's a theory that we're trying to get them to apply in a real world way. They can do that together and be active in it. And that's one of the things. So in, in a social constructivist world, we're talking about human activity. The other thing is it's based on a specific assumption about knowledge. You see, to a social constructivist, knowledge is also a human product. And so socially and culturally, it's constructed. You know, it's funny, what we know and what we don't know is really based a lot on our culture. I grew up with a, a master mechanic as a dad. And um, so I'm familiar with certain things, like what kind of tools they are. I don't know very much about working on cars. I wish I did, but I don't. But um, I know a lot about the tools, and I know a lot about the smells, and I know a lot about a lot about a garage. And I feel very comfortable in a garage. I can walk into a garage and think, you know, I'm, I'm not, it's not foreign to me. Because culturally, I grew up around a garage. And it's the same thing with, with this, you know, if... if we're going to have knowledge that's ultimately going to become a social, it's, it's a human product. And it's going to be socially rather and culturally constructed. And so what we're trying to do is, and I talk about this a lot, we're trying to build communities. We're trying to build cultures. We're trying to impact cultures. We're trying to pull cultures together. There's nothing better at St. Thomas University. We have a highly diverse student population. It's incredibly great. And I love pulling cultures together in a class and getting them to talk about things because they're so culturally different. The way that they see the world, their worldview is so different that when you start pulling that stuff together, it creates very exciting opportunities for discussion, opportunities for innovation. People are, are they're just so willing to culturally be relevant in a course if we give them an opportunity. And so that's really important individuals ultimately create meaning with each other through these interactions. You know, it kind of, it's funny when people are engaged in social activities, there's, there's value there. There's a, there's a great amount of value and we want to try to tap into that value. So social constructivism is really based on, uh, well, first of all, there's, there's a, there's a stress, right? That there's a need for collaboration, that there's a need for, humans to be active together. And that's part of the reality that social constructivism more or less assumes, which is um, that, social con that, that the reality is constructed through human activity and that members of a society uh, together invent the properties of that world. And then another assumption we make is that knowledge is also a human product and that it's socially and culturally constructed and that individuals then create meaning and value out of that because um, they interact with each other and within that environment that they live in. So now I have people in environments that they live in and cultures that they live in being put together in a digital space and empowered to collaborate and humanly interact within that space. That's exponentially powerful. And then finally... Social constructivism is based on a specific assumption about learning. Social constructives view learning as a social process. It doesn't only take place within an individual, nor is it a passive development of behaviors that are shaped by external forces. 
meaningful learning occurs when individuals are engaged in social activities. I see this all the time with my children. I have a 24-year-old and a 17-year-old. And it's funny, when they get together, like let's say that we're playing cards, we're engaged in this mutual social event of playing cards. We're kind of a big card family. And we teach each other because in the process of playing cards, and if you've ever played cards before, especially a game called Rook, we, we play a lot of Rook in our family. If you're not familiar with Rook, it's just a, it's a card game. It's, it's quite old, and um, it's a bidding game, and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, but there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of nuance. And so what happens is as we're playing, people will, will tell each other things like, you know, you really shouldn't go around a second time in the same color. Or you, you know, when you bid, make sure that you can get rid of a suit or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, we're teaching each other all the time. And see, meaningful learning occurs when we're all engaged in this social activity. They are learning a lot about strategy, about card play, about, about working with a partner because it's a partner game. So how to read a partner, all of that's happening because we're playing the game. And I'm not sure that you would easily learn that in any other, in any other context but by actually doing it. At St. Thomas, we're, we're constantly looking at our courses in instructional design and technology, in digital instruction. We're constantly asking ourselves the question, how can we get the students to engage more with each other and socially do things so they can be teaching each other how to learn? Now, we have not mastered this by any means, and we've got a long way to go, but we're constantly, I'm constantly asking that question. How can I design these courses? How can I add activities to these courses? that will give them meaningful learning activities that are social. Because the number one problem that I see and that my students tell me about over and over and over again in online learning is isolation and loneliness. They're just disconnected. And so the more that we can connect them with each other, the better. This last Christmas, I had an interesting thing happen. I, I may have talked about this on another program, but. Just, I just got this idea I was going to send Christmas cards to all my dissertation students, so I did. And uh, I got so many cards in the mail, I was overwhelmed. And they were sending me pictures of their families, and they were all dressed up cute. You know how they do. You know how you do. You guys do. I, I don't really do this in my family. But, but um, you know, everybody dresses the same, and they have their antlers on, and they're all, you know, whatever. Dad's dressed like Santa. I don't know, you know. Um, sometimes they do goofy, crazy things, you know, like everybody's running in a field and there's an explosion in the background and the explosion, so in the explosion, there's the, you know, Merry Christmas. I don't know. It, people are strange what they do, but it doesn't matter because we're all, at, it, was, it was a simple activity. I sent out a Christmas card and they sent it back to me, but it was social and it was real and we were connecting on a human level. And although that's kind of a, might be kind of a silly example what I'm trying to tell you, or what I'm trying to emphasize here, is that social activities like that, when we're engaged in them, they become meaningful. And so it's really important that when we are thinking about becoming a really great um, digital instructor, that we don't only just emphasize a constructivist point of view. It's really important that we understand that, this, that there, is a, there is a power in bringing together social learning theory and, and, and constructivism in such a way that we, we kind of make this social constructivist world 
that allows the students to be human and to have human engagement and then ultimately to bring human value to the whole process. And, and that goes right along with it. And then when we couple that in layers, so this becomes complex then because so now we've got the social constructivist theory and when we connect that to a connectivist theory, which we'll talk about, which we'll talk about more uh, in episode eight, we're not talking about connectivism. But when we talk about connectivist theory, then we start bringing those two things together. Now we start to see the real value of the learning and teaching you know, the kind of the learner to learner, teacher to teacher, I'm an expert and I'm also a learner, full efficacious spectrum of learning and being and doing and becoming all in a holistic framework and all done in a digital environment. That's what the challenge is for the digital instructor is how do I facilitate that so that every student becomes fully realized as a human even though they exist in a digital space for education? And how do I get a student to become fully realized, fully actualized as a human while encountering other humans, while connecting to other humans and learning from each other and collaborating. And how do I make that an innovative thing? And these are the things that we're going to be struggling with in becoming great digital instructors. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you that as an instructor, as an instructional model, as a digital instructor, we need to be thinking about collaboration, human, human value in the, in the classroom. We need to be thinking about the fact that reality is really constructed through human activity. This, this idea of what becomes real to me are the things that become tangible to me, the things that connect to me, the things that I kind of get my, my hands dirty in these are the things that really become real to me. Otherwise, things are so esoteric. When I was studying for my doctorate, I couldn't believe how esoteric everything was until I really started to wrestle with it. And the more I got my hands dirty, the more I realized this stuff really connects to everything that I'm doing. And so it's not just about talking about concepts and theories, but it's talking about how do those things actually connect to me as a student, as a as a person, as a human who's living and who's connecting with others and who's trying to do a job, whether I'm teaching a kindergarten class or I'm teaching a graduate school class or whether I'm an industrial uh, person who's, who's just trying to create training for HR or whether I'm in the medical field or whatever I'm doing. If I'm trying to teach something, if I'm trying to learn something, if I'm trying to connect, what does that look like? How do I take these real world opportunities and apply them to something that I'm doing. We can't just talk about frameworks and not that have them be applicable. The digital space is not going to provide for that. We're just going to lose people. And so that's important that the members of a society together invent the properties of the world. 
you know, the world of education is being invented all the time. We're constantly changing. Look, we just had, because of COVID-19, everybody just went to, uh, you know, went into online learning, whether they liked it or not. But now we have an opportunity to do something different. And then remember that knowledge, it's a human product. I mean, I mean, we, our knowledge is, is a part of our value. It's a part of, we can construct knowledge. We can do that and we can do it together. I mean, how many things have I learned from other people? Everything. I mean, I have read some things in books and I've learned some things through books, but what's really been important is that somebody was there to help teach me. There was a human interaction. And by, by looking at connectivism as well as social constructivism, we can begin to see the power of how learners can be a great part of teaching other learners. And I believe that could happen in just about, in just about any educational space. Obviously, it's going to be harder the younger the, the learners are. But I still think that learners can teach learners a lot of things. I have watched a lot of young boys and girls teach each other how to play on the playground, how to play dodgeball, how to play a lot of things. Kids can teach other kids. It, it, it works. But learners can always be seen in the space of being a learner and also being a teacher. And so remember that social that learning is a social process as well. And the meaningful learning occurs when individuals are engaged in social activities. Well, hopefully this has been helpful to you. It gives you some, some ideas to think about. Make sure that you subscribe to the, to the podcast. Send it to people if you know somebody that this might, be, this might be valuable to. I appreciate your support. And I look forward to next time when we get together and we talk more about digital learning, uh, digital instruction, and how to be really great at bringing people together to be innovative, to change the world forever. Listen, you're the world changers because you're the teachers. Don't ever forget that. Just because you're in a, in a, uh, um, just because you're in a digital space doesn't change that for a minute. So God bless. I'll talk to you next time. This is Tim Stafford, and this has been The Digital Instructor.